Good morning, my Corner Stoop family. Welcome to the Corner Stoop. I have a very, very special guest that um, I have grown to know over the past couple of months. Um, real inspiration to the community. Um, and I think she should be a, a role model to a lot of the young ladies growing up and some of those who are still kind of trying to figure out what they want to do with life. Um, before I get too far into it, help me welcome Miss Deborah Denise to the Corner Stoop. Good morning. Good morning, Miss Deborah. So, um, kind of give me a little synopsis of yourself. Uh, not too much, but kind of a little small synopsis. So I'm Deborah Denise Woolard. I am originally from Raleigh, but raised between Raleigh and Wilmington, North Carolina. I came to Charlotte in late 2005. Um, I'm a twice divorced, single mom of three. I'm a, a domestic violence advocate as well as a domestic violence survivor. Um, and I just believe in doing right by any and everybody, treating people the way that I want to be treated um, and just doing the right thing. So that's how I came about to found my organization and nonprofit, which is Block Loves Charlotte. Um, and we do a lot to assist those that are in the houseless community. Um, but we really are just trying to reach individuals that may have a need that feel like no one's out there giving them a hand. Great, great. Love that. Love that. So let's start with um, the earlier part of your life as far as um, schooling, as far as like college. Did you attend college? And if you did, what was your um, major in college? So I am a 47-year-old struggling senior at Winston-Salem State University. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm in my senior year, but it's all good. I will be graduating soon. But I attended Winston-Salem State University back in 1992. I turned up just a little bit too hard. Um, a lot of stuff is just a blur because, hey, I partied from Wednesday to Sunday, and I learned that, you know, that really does affect your GPA. Um, I took some classes at North Carolina Central University, and then I trekked all the way back to Winston-Salem State, which I am now attending again. Um, but my college days were the best days. Um, I entered to learn, and I have departed to serve. And um, like I said, I'm just doing the dang thing and repping my Ram family. Facts, facts. So I, I'm glad you said about the, the partying phase whenever you go to college, because I have a lot of young ladies that I've mentor and also trained for basketball and they're like, ooh, whenever I go to college, it's just gonna be straight books and this and that and yeah. <laughs> so I was a nerd, like I was a geek coming out of high school, but man, you get to college, it's a fresh uh fresh lease on life. You knew um you don't have your parents, you know, getting on you about curfew or where you've been, where you're at, where you're going. You have this newfound freedom but don't lose your mind. Do not lose sight of your goal. I can remember sitting in college orientation and they said, look to the left of you, then look to the right of you. Um, one of you all is not gonna graduate. And I said, oh, that ain't gonna be me. I'm gonna graduate on time. I'm gonna get this done in four years or better. Listen, I just said, I'm 47 years old and I'm still trying to graduate with my undergraduate degree. So I ended up being the one to the left and to the right. So, um, but don't let that deter you. Just remain focused, you know, especially now with a lot of um, our students going off and doing virtual learning. Do not lose your focus. Do not lose sight of your dream. And four year is not for everybody. I've got um, one of my students, one, one of my kids, she's done the four year route. She's getting ready to graduate with her master's in social work on next week. But then I have uh, my son that just graduated last year. He's doing virtual learning at a two year college. He's doing JUCO for basketball. And then my baby girl told me, hey mama, she graduated early, but she said college is not for me. So don't knock it. It's not for everybody. But if you go make the most of it, do not waste those dollars. My dad said it just like Bill Cosby. My money is a terrible thing to waste. And I wasted my daddy's money because I was turning up. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I turned up my freshman year. Like I was like, shoot, my dad being a preacher, you know, we had those strict rules. You couldn't do nothing. And I was like, as soon as I got to college, I was like, mm. my mom and dad can't tell me to go to bed. 
I could run this hallway. I could run through all these dorms. I was turned up and I got my GPA and it was a 1.9. I was like, oh, Jesus wept. <laughs> right, academic probation. You trying to figure out how to hide them grades from your parents, man, I remember. Yes. So after you did your college stint of partying and decided, hey, um, you know, college isn't going to work for me. What what was your next step? So actually what happened, it wasn't that college wasn't going to work for me. I was, um, I just finished my um, junior year and, um, well, actually, I'm sorry, the first semester of my junior year and my parents had separated and my mother actually had a major stroke. So um, in 1996, I decided to leave school and go home to take care of my mother. Um, and in that, I said, you know, I'm going to try to go back to school. So that's when I started taking classes at North Carolina Central, but it became harder um, because my mother, she lived in a vegetative state after her stroke for over a year and a half. So it was really hard for me to return back to school. And then when she passed away in uh, 2001, it just was like, okay, now I'm focused on life because by then I had um, my first daughter um, and then I had gotten uh, married in 2003 and it was just like okay now now this is the life that I have I'm, I'm truly doing the dang thing um, so I had to stay focused my dad grew up my dad worked at IBM for me growing up and I can just remember um, saying oh I am not gonna work on computers that is for geeks and for nerds I ain't gonna do it black women do not work on computers I mean that's really how I thought that's not what I was trying to do I was trying to be a mogul I wasn't trying to be a tech geek I don't I don't speak techanese I don't so um, <laughs> Um, now I speak Tekkenese, Nerdanese, all of the knees, you know, Apple knees, all of that. But at that particular time, I wasn't trying to see that. Um, but we grew up working on computers, you know, from uh, Big 21 to, um, you know, IBM ThinkPads. We were doing it all because my dad, like I said, worked for IBM. And I found myself working at IBM, you know, first building and testing computers. And then I went into the admin side of it. And then I went into networking design. And um, I found myself in IT um, as of last year, 23 years in the IT field. Yeah. I, before we get to that, because I, I read through your bio and I was like, oh my gosh, Miss Deb is like, own it. I was like, okay, okay. So um, whenever you um, had your first child and you were married, um, was college then just like, okay, well, I'm married now, I have a child, so college is not one of those things I'm gonna re-pursue. Um, was that your mind thinking or? Let me tell you, I grew up in the age of a different world. Honestly, my family, we sat down, we watched Cosby, Cosby Show, and we watched a different world. Um, we grew up because my parents, um, my dad graduated from community college, my mother never went to college, and it was just like on us to go to school. Like my dad was always a big supporter of Winston-Salem State University. That's not why I chose that school because I would never do that to appease him. I just did it because, you know, was, turn up was real. Homecoming was the bomb. But anywho, sorry, sidetrack. But look, <laughs> it was like, listen, I'm going to school. You know, we are going to school and I always wanted to remain focused. So even when I was pregnant with my first daughter, um, that's when I went into classes at North Carolina Central University. Um, and I, I did wonderful, I did excellent. Um, and then um, again, when I got pregnant with my son after my first marriage, I went back, I was big walking that campus at North Carolina Central University. I walked until I couldn't walk no more until they put me on bed rest. I was like, listen, I'm going to complete this thing. That's why I said I'm, I'm 47 years old and I'm still trying to complete this thing. So never lose sight of your vision or your goals um, because you have to um, stay focused on what God has assigned you to do. And I believe it's not more for me completing it and accomplishing it, I'm doing it so that my kids see that you can do anything that you put your mind to and don't put limits on it because God, he knocks the limits off. He knocks them off out, out, out the stratosphere. There are no limits when it comes to what God has for you. See, I that that's one of the biggest things that I, I promote throughout my podcast. And I'm glad you brought God into it because a lot of people, um, they listen to my show and they're like, oh my God, you talk about God like every every show. And I'm like, you you gotta understand, sometimes whenever you're at your weakest moments, your friends you think should be there, but they're not there. So who else are you gonna turn to? So 
I, I'm very, very happy about that. So not to touch on the sour subject, but um, the marriage, the first one, what um, was it one of those that was not a, a good situation? I mean, without going into too much depth. Mm-mm. So let me tell you, honey, listen, <laughs> I have no problem whatsoever. And I don't want anybody on here to ever feel any stigma or any shame. If you have been married multiple times, don't let nobody browbeat you. Don't know, let nobody, you know, beat you over the head with the Bible and say God despises divorce. Listen, if it wasn't designed by God, then listen, it, it will fall apart. If he didn't ordain it and stop thinking because you did it in a church and the preacher said, God bless you. Good night. May heaven smile upon you. That does not mean it was ordained by God because a lot of time we open up envelopes that were not meant to be opened by us that was somebody else's envelope and I just happened to open it and I said return to Sunday because I can't deal with this listen I was married he was not I literally was married he was not um it was beautiful all in the beginning but you know he had a side chick the entire marriage and I will say this he is deceased now God rest his soul but we were divorced before he died um and it you know it was a hurtful thing and then also too when you're in these types of situations, please, please forgive. Do not try to um, get 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 your lover, your the, your ex, whoever your uh, has been. Don't try to get them back. Let God deal with it. Um, let let Him handle that. Let Him cure and um, you know recreate your heart, rebuild your heart. Um, and as much as it hurt me, I had to forgive. And even before He died, we were in a good space. Um, raising our, our kids um, as a blended family. It was not always good. It was not always easy. It was not always pretty because I think, you know, for a minute there, I was baby mom and I said, listen, sir, you don't stop referring to me is that I have nobody's BM because that sounds like a bowel movement, sir. I am <laughs> your child's mother. Let me explain something to you. You celebrate me on Mother's Day. You don't be like BM. We are not celebrating baby mamas on Mother's Day. So I needed him to um kind of really just really deal with that. But it was a fact of I was married and he was not, you know, um, and we kind of just look, listen, I can't deal with that. You know, he had a child out of wedlock or, or while we was married or however you word that. Anyway, the baby <laughs> wasn't mine. How about that? The baby yeah, wasn't mine. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, um, I, I, I think, well, I, matter of fact, I know what you just spoke on is going to touch a lot of women to heart because, um, you know, with what I do for basketball trainings and stuff like that, I deal with a lot of single mothers and their stories are almost like yours. Like, yes, I was in the relationship, but he wasn't in the relationship. And um, some of them are like, well, I'm married, but they go through that abusive mental state. Um, Was that something that you feel like you went through as well? And if you did, how did you over how did you get through it so my first marriage really wasn't like that it was just more of you know him sneaking around and everything else um when we separated no it was not amicable but it was something that I knew I could overcome it was something I prayed about and I just asked God to release me from it you know but my second marriage um I was married to an individual for um over 10 years we were together for about 11 and a half years um and in the very beginning it was absolutely beautiful he courted me he wooed me he loved on my kids because by then I had three kids um it was just you know it was a beautiful thing and at the beginning he asked me um you know could he marry me and that was like over the summer and I said no I'm not because I was um just a year out of my separation and divorce I was like no I don't think I'm quite ready and then um in the winter he had a situation that happened and it wasn't like a proposal it was more of an ultimatum like you you know you gonna you know i'm either gonna come and be with you or i'm gonna go back to where i'm from and i was like "Mm, i do love him but i don't want him to go back either and i didn't i should that was red flag beep beep i was like okay i didn't realize how crazy that nickelodeon was but i said okay if you come here we have to be married. I'm not shacking with you because I was in the church. I was deep in the church and I was like, listen, you know, I'm not shacking, you know, and I have younger kids. I didn't want just some man living in my house. Doesn't matter how well my children or myself knew him. You were going to be with me. We were going to be married. So he came on a Tuesday. We got married on a Wednesday, which was my birthday. By week two, we were in McDonald's sitting down having a conversation and um, he was talking and 
not intentionally because we do it sometimes i kind of cut him off in mid mid sentence and he cussed me out right there in mcdonald's and i said hey wait a minute, this cannot this is not the same man that was wooing me back then like what is happening like what 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 has turned am i being punk jesus take the entire wheel like i couldn't <laughs> believe it but from there um and and I get it and I understand it because when you're dealing with domestic violence and domestic abuse, it is about power and control. And I lost control when he gave me the ultimatum, not when he proposed to me, but when he gave me the ultimatum, he knew then he had control over the entire situation. Um, and I'm one of those type women where I said, you know, I ain't gonna let nobody punk me. I ain't nobody gonna abuse me. Ain't nobody ever gonna put their hands on me. Man, I was wrong. You know, I lost that control, you know, when he would be berating me, putting me down, talking now nasty to me um because a lot of the abuse for me was mental yes there was physical please don't get me wrong but it's that mental man that stuck with me you won't ever be anything nobody wants you you used up you've been married twice you got three kids um ain't nobody gonna want you and them bastard kids you know he would say stuff like that because their dad was deceased you know he was a horrible man y'all bunch of bammers um if, if you were a better woman i'd have more i'd be better i'd do better um it was those types of things that I would hear all day, every day. And then in turn, I was his trophy though. Right. Cause we would go out and as long as we were around company, especially church folks, man, he dressed me up, dolled me up, put diamonds on me, set me on this pedestal that I did not want to be on. I had never been no label hoe. Listen, right. I'm gonna be honest. I just always been humble or whatever, but he would do that. You know, as long as I was dolled up, made up, but then we would get in public and instead of me just being his wife, his, you know, this is my wife. No, I was, this is my wife. I was like, this nigga talking to me. Who can I say that word? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, this yeah, Nickelodeon, yeah, <laughs> this Nickelodeon is talking about me like I'm property. It wasn't, this is my wife. You know, this is Deborah. This is my wife. He said it with that type of authority. And I, I, I even told my pastor, I said, this man, he introduces me like I'm his property. I, I, I don't feel comfortable with this. This man, something ain't right. This man is crazy. Yes, he was bipolar. He is bipolar. But still, it hurt me, you know, to to deal with that. And then um, we have arguments or fights, you know, and instead of really truly being sincere in his apology, because your apology means you ain't going to do it no more. Right. You know, he would turn around and buy me stuff. And I'm like, dude, I don't even want it. Like, no, like if I got to go through this or have you beat my ass to get something nice, then I don't want it. That's not how this is going to go down, you know. Um, but it was the fact that I, I relinquished that um power and control to him and in turn i suffered behind that my kids suffered behind that you know in public he looked like the ideal father but behind closed doors it was horrible you know let him tell it it was it was all rice and gravy but to me it was nothing but a plate of doo-doo right kind of like the ike and tina situation exactly you know as long as what well, i tell you he said b you you die i'm gonna kill you Right. And guess what? He told me that. You die, I'm going to kill you. As he was choking me, you die, I'm going to kill you. Dude, not choking, strangling, because there is a difference. You know, the only way that you can choke is if you're choking on a peanut, a pretzel, or a piece of food. But if you someone has their hands directly around your neck, that is called strangulation. And anybody that can put their hands around your neck with full force is a sick individual, because I learned that through my domestic violence training. I'm going right. to tell you how I realized I was in deep doo-doo in a domestic violence situation. I was working for the hospital and an email had went out. Now, why nobody else in my department received this email? I don't know. So I know it was nothing but God. Cause like I said, I was working for a hospital here in Charlotte, you know, a major medical center. And here I am, I received the email, but nobody else, all these 80 something people received this email to um, volunteer for domestic violence healthcare project. And I was like, cool, I'll volunteer. And I was doing my training, going through my training. And like in the second week of training, um, we received the questionnaire that you're supposed to ask clients um, that um, kind of breaks down what their abusive situation looks like. And at that time, it was a 43 question questionnaire. I could answer, um, I believe, 41, 40 to 41 of the questions. Has your domestic uh, partner ever um, threatened to kill you, you or himself? Have they um, ever threatened animals or been mean or cruel to animals? Um, have they ever um, isolated you? I mean, it was just this barrage of questions that I could actually answer and I felt some type of way because guess what? My ex-husband had shot and killed my dog. My ex-husband on multiple occasions had pulled a gun on me or he had sat there and played Russian roulette in my face with himself. So it was just like, wow, I am 
this high up in this is all that was outside of the water i was that high up in i was in deep doo-doo and i didn't realize how bad it was and it was all about that power and control you know he he was a gaslighter he made it always seem like it was me 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 and the kids were the problem he never took accountability for his issues his mistakes his uh shortcomings never 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 he would he was a the the king at gaslighting you know and and a lot of people like oh you using them big words listen it is what it is you better know what it is because these nickelodeons women and men will manipulate you and he was a king of manipulator he had the gift of gab he could talk the draws off of um, queen elizabeth listen that's how i fell in love with him that man had to give a gab lord listen because i'm sorry ladies i dropped the draws i was like this man and he smelled good he was bald-headed it was like a wonder it was a match made in heaven he knew how to talk he had the gift that man i'm telling you he could talk he could listen he'll he'll make michelle obama drop a draws but he just (laughs) had it and, and like I said, he smelled good. He wooed me. He, he did an excellent job at wooing me. And I fell for the okie doke. But I decided once I got out of it, I was not going to beat myself up behind that because, listen, we've all been there. We've all done it. We've had bad relationships. Was it horrible? Yes. Did I forgive? Yes. And I, and I took time off to heal my heart to men. Um, me and my children went to counseling. You know, we had to learn how to forgive each other. I apologized to my kids. I asked them to forgive me because that was a decision I made. Um, they didn't marry him. I married him. And I know we say, oh, we marry as a family. But no, I made that decision to say I do. Uh, my kids should have never went through that. So we have been in a healing process together. Does the healing ever end? No, I don't think it does. We, I think it's a good reminder of how not to treat somebody, how um, to to look for the the red flags or the signs. Um, And it was a great opportunity um, for me to minister to my babies and let them know what domestic violence looks like, Um, especially because by the time I got out of it, I was raising teenagers. So I had to let my son know, if you lay your hands on anybody, I'm running you over with my car. I promise you, (laughs) my son is six, seven, like for real, I can't beat you up, but I'll run you over with the car or I'll shoot you in the behind. You got a choice. But you know, no, that's not abuse. It really was a conversation though um the same with my daughters i was like don't let no boy be talking about um i need your password to your ig or your fence to like who you talking to where you been kyle would go to the grocery store be like where you been how long you been there why is it taking you so long i am at walmart with three babies you think i'm out here trying to pick up a man and back then i was 260 pounds i really i was i my self-esteem was low at the time because i was he he just put me down so bad i wasn't trying to pick nobody up i'm just trying to buy groceries right. he worrying about where i've been but i learned that with that control, a lot of times they're trying to cover up their own mess. So he wanted to make sure I wasn't going to roll up on him before he got caught. Um, But yeah, it's been been a a real healing process. I took like three years to just get my entire, I always say this, get my whole entire life together. Um, And that began with the forgiving cycle. Um, I didn't focus on healing. I focused on forgiveness because I didn't want to be a sour, bitter, stank, nasty attitude having heifer. I wanted to be healed, whole, and uh, just all the way in love with myself. And the only way that I could do that I knew was through the power of forgiveness. Right, right. And and that's where it is. Um, wow. Um, I, I had a question for you, but just that right there, I, I see it so much um, because I had relatives go through it. I've seen, you know, I worked in the women's batter shelter um, whenever I was working on my degree, you know, doing my internship. And like, I grew up blessed. I, I'm thankful, you know, that my dad instilled in us and my grandfather, this is how you treat a woman. God put a woman on this earth to be a helpmate not to be something a punching bag, not to be uh, mental abusive, not to be like controlled. And um, I'm glad you spoke on that because, you know, I know someone's going to listen to this and maybe going through the same thing you are. And they're like, okay, I'm intrigued. So whenever you was going through this, how did you get yourself out of that that abusive situation well, what was like the final straw that hey I'm, I'm gone and how did you do it so I'm gonna back up just a little bit LeVar because you touched on something about your, your father and your grandfather so let me I wrote a um I wrote a blog in 2019 that said I married a man like my father growing up 
you don't realize it, especially as a daughter, just how much you glean from your parents. And I literally had married a man like my father. Um, my father was um, definitely emotionally and mentally abusive to my mother. Um, and I do know at times physically abusive, but we thought that was the way that life was. Like a man to tell you, look woman, go sit down somewhere. A woman is to be seen and not heard. Um, or my mother was um, the catch it and fetch it type woman. You know, she was right there, you know, doing everything that my dad said, you know, um, from the cooking of the meals to ironing the clothes to the um, making sure the house was clean, you know, being, you know, the, the housekeeper, the, the the lady of the house, you know, but being this beautiful outside, you know, but really torn down on the inside. You know, my dad was really good at um, treating my mom like that trophy wife. Um, my dad, you know, Shoot, growing up, I mean, my dad had money, but it was his money. Like right, right. when it came to the household, my mother would struggle. I would see her borrow, scrape, and scrap. And I'm like, this nigga got money. Why are we out here struggling? But my daddy was selfish. Guess what? My ex husband was selfish. My second husband was selfish. And I looked at it and I was like, damn, I married somebody like my father. Right. Um, so, as dads, as fathers, even if um, it's a blended family, listen, you are setting examples for your daughters and your sons. So, be mindful of that. Please treat your, your king and queen like king and queens. Don't just do it for the gram. Do it because it's the right thing to do. You know, if you're going to be sincere about that thing, don't be out here being nice to everybody out in public and then you being a bastard when you go home love on your family inside of doors and outside of doors you know treat them the way that you would want to be treated don't have on this facade or these masks because we are wearing masks right now um acting like everything is lovely and you going home cutting the monkey in the pool it's not fair to those that you say that you love and hurt people hurt people you know i know my daddy was hurt i know my ex-husband was hurt but and i'm not making no excuses for them because i have been hurt honey listen let me tell you i'm a survivor of sexual abuse, rape, uh, physical abuse, uh, domestic violence survivor. Hell, listen, let me tell you some things here. So don't, nobody can't nobody tell me that it hurt people, don't hurt people. But I don't hurt people because I learned how to forgive and I hurt, learned how to walk in love and have a relationship with God. Now, how I got myself out of this situation, see how I switched up real quick. Yes. Um, how I got myself out of this situation was this. We were home one night. He and I were separated, but he needed to come over. He, well, he didn't need to because he could have went somewhere else, but that bastard slid his way back in. Anywho, he asked, could he wash his clothes? I said, sure, you can come over and wash your clothes. So while he was washing clothes, I was in my room doing something. The kids and him were up front. And the next thing you know, I hear him cussing because the dog was drinking some water out of the toilet. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? So um, next thing you know, I hear, because I, I can hear the dog lapping the water out of the toilet. Next thing you know, I can hear my kids hollering and screaming at the top of their lungs. I'm like, what is going on? He was beating the dog with a baseball bat. So I said, okay. So I told my kids, I said, listen, y'all grab what you can. Y'all run and go stand by the van. I was like, look, I'm not getting ready to do it. This is the last and final straw. To see my kids sitting there in fear like that, I said, this dude is crazy. I'm not dealing with this. Not another day. I will kill you. It's going to be me and you up in here. I meant what I said. And people wonder why I love my dog Solomon like I do. My dog is a, a purebred chow chow. I love him because he got in the middle of me and him because he raised that back to me. And I said, you will have to kill me up in here today. The dog saved my life. I got my keys, my, my purse, and me and the kids, and my dog left him in that apartment, and I, I, I hadn't looked back. You know, once he left, I came back and, um, you know, regained my apartment, and the kids and I have been surviving and thriving ever since. I said, anybody that's that hardcore, that, that crazy, this is it. You know, prior to that, we had an incident where we went to a funeral. Once again, we were separated, but it was a loved one that I had grown attached to. We went to the funeral. We're on the highway coming back home. This man is driving like a bat out of hell. I knew he turned the music all the way up. I knew that day I was going to die. I said, I'm going to die. I mean, we were in a, uh, a Acura, so he pushed that thing as hard as he could push it coming out of Virginia because we were leaving Maryland so we were coming out of Virginia and uh, we're swerving in and out of traffic traffic came to almost a halt we were doing probably about 25 30 miles per hour that's a halt you know coming out yeah. of Virginia because yeah, everybody yeah. fly on the highway yeah. so that was a halt to me and in my mind I said girl we get ready to stop drop and roll I grabbed <laughs> my purse 
lit, I did. He thought I was crazy. He had that music all the way up. He was cussing at me the whole time. Be this, be that, be that. I said, you know what? This fool is crazy. He finna kill me on this highway. I grabbed my purse. I stopped, dropped, and rolled on that highway. I was all bruised up. I did not care. I ran across that highway in front of cars. It was nothing but God. I mean, I it, it had to be nothing but God. Yes. And I walked as far as I could, and some ladies were behind me, and they said, we have been following you for at least 40 miles we could see his head bopping we knew he was gonna kill you and i was like oh my god it was two domestic violence survivors they put me in the car they took me to the next local town and waited for me until my family showed up with a rental car mm -hmm. and so it's just like you know i knew then i was meant to survive this thing so when he did the incident with the dog and the kids i was like you know what this this is it and i know people probably like why didn't you leave before listen it was a whole bunch of hell i went through even before that and um when you're in a marriage and you're deeply involved in church counseling looks a whole lot different yes counseling they oh yeah i think y'all need to separate for a while y'all need to choose neutral corners you know right. stuff like that no i was told deb you were meant to love the hell the h-e-l-l -L out of this man whatever devilment whatever evil lurks inside of him you have within you the anointing in you to love the hell out of him listen don't play my anointing like that i was not meant to heal that man or love the hell out of him that that should have never been told to me because i was told to submit to be quiet to love on him me and the kids love on him as best as possible that counseling did not go well because he would get in counseling sessions and threaten my pastor so that lets you know that counseling did not go well i'm gonna need y'all to know and understand if y'all are in church if y'all are church leaders listen take some classes on how to minister to people going through domestic violence situations that does not say i don't love my ex pastor my ex bitch no 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 do not get out here snitching on me talking about dead talking about folks no i'm telling the t-r-u-t-h the truth right. honey because that's all i can spit right now i went through a lot of that hell because i didn't want to disappoint god I was told, you know, God despises, you know, divorce and all of this other stuff. Right, and I right. didn't want to seem like a failure in God's eye. But let me tell you, God would not have you stay anywhere longer than you are supposed to. And loyalty kept me there longer than it should have. I should have took my little ass somewhere else. And I didn't. I just <laughs> stayed right there. And God was like, this is the end. He kept telling me. But I was like, well, God, maybe I can love him out of this. You know, this man to give me these side stories. I don't want to die alone. I don't ever want to be lonely. You and the kids are the only people that love me. That's that control. Right. That's that control. I didn't even realize through them side stories. And you can't fix nobody that don't want to fix themselves. And that Nickelodeon wasn't trying to fix himself. He was trying to break me. He was broken and he wanted me to look like a broken china cup with him. And look, I am not chipped, honey. I am old. <laughs> facts facts i love that and I, I love the fact that even the domestic women i believe devils were sent by god and they was on that particular highway that particular time by god to help you get through that that period uh, of that possibility of this nickelodeon <laughs> doing something drastic to you because Right now, we're gonna move forward to your current, what you're doing for the community. And I love it. And um, I, I'm blessed every time, like I hear how you talk about what you do, where you're at and how it, I, I see God working through what you're doing for the community. So, um, kind of bring us up to how you are, are doing and what you're doing and the name of the organization that you you have that's going on right now so um my name of the name of my organization is block love charlotte and um i help out um individuals and neighbors loved ones i call them my block family that are in the houses community but i help so many more we help as a team i won't say ah oh, that's very selfish and trust me i'm not a selfish person we have an amazing team um but i myself have been homeless on numerous occasions um back in my college years um i had set out for a year and i came back and i was living um with two other roommates i was sleeping on the couch i'll never forget we had got this phone bill 
and I didn't use the phone. I was always at work. I didn't right. use the phone. And um, back then, you know, long distance used to be expensive. Well, that was an expensive phone bill. And I can remember one of the roommates talking about, well, we're going to split this three ways. And I said, no, we are not. No ham, no burger. We are not fin to split this phone bill. I'm not going to do it. I, I'm not fin to receive that. So um, I said, you know what, deuces. And I rolled out. I had nowhere to go. I was sleeping in my car. I slept in my car for about a month. And um, outside of the uh, freshman dorm, nobody really knew I was out there except for a couple of friends. And one of my friends with her snitching self went and told, <laughs> told the counseling center that I was sleeping out there. Um, my hair was all mad and she would let me come in and use her shower whenever she would stay the night with her boyfriend. Um, but I was still sneaking to class because I hadn't paid my tuition. My daddy, my mother, my father had separated and my daddy had cut me completely off you know that's selfishness but anyway i love him yeah. god rest his soul um but yeah i really didn't have any other choice but to be in my car and so i remember um she told the counselor and the counselor called me into her office let me tell you how god works that particular day that counselor herself was going not only through a domestic violence situation but she was on the verge of divorce um her husband was a high power attorney in winston-salem he had been out in the paper he had an affair and she apparently hadn't really broke down in front of anybody and so as she ministered to me i was able to minister to her and she saw the heart in me and she believed in me and she said girl you know what i just i just had this thought you can actually um do your fafsa um as an independent student and um by the time i left her office she had made placed a lot of calls even to financial aid and they got me set up to not only was i in a dorm i was in the new dorm um she got me work study she got me connected to career services and i had not one job but two jobs um and it, it was amazing you know i was gonna be set up with a refund my books were paid for i had um an account now where i could eat in the cafeteria and i saw that somebody loved me in my mess i mean i was looking messy that day you know like i said my hair was mad i looked a fool and i i didn't have a big blanket and i can remember um right before all this happened i had stole my dad's big hunting jacket and that's what i was using as my blanket to sleep with in my car um so for her to do that looking at me in my mess and i'm a that'll make sense to you in just a few minutes um and then my mother and i found ourselves remember i told you i came home to take care of her right. um, well that was the end of the divorce and my daddy had put me and my mama out i said my daddy put me and my mama out the house he actually did it with a shotgun <laughs> he told us we couldn't come back in his house anywho so we found ourselves motel hopping um she worked for sherrington and we stayed in a sherrington as long as we could but from there we went to quality Inn, days in and for months we were living in a motel and a lot of my family and friends didn't even realize that was going on um but that is being homeless um yeah. i need people to know and understand if you don't have an address that you can call your own if you can't show a, a light bill or a, what, a light bill or a gas bill or something with your name on it you are houseless or homeless right. um so we found ourselves in that situation and um um, when I came to Charlotte, I had um, my divorce from my first husband was finalized. I was, we were both working at Duke and for whatever reason, he decided to switch his department to mine. I had just received a major promotion and I said to hell with this promotion. I got to leave. My brother told me to come to Charlotte and I've been in Charlotte ever since. And I just noticed the more that I was in Charlotte, the more in the houseless neighbors I would see. And then I found myself working uptown at a law firm. And every day I was seeing the same individuals, the same people, and I would strike up conversations. Um, it wasn't more of about, uh, let me give you some change or some food. It was more of, how can I help you? Like, I see you here every day, and I know this ain't possibly where you want to be. And um, that's how Block Love Charlotte grew. I never looked at anybody in their mess. Like that counselor never looked at my mad at hair and said, oh, I can't help her. She looks nasty, you know? And I'm gonna tell you that woman was, uh, you know, she was fly. Like everything about her was fly, but she, I sat there with her and she didn't judge me. And I was musty. I'm not gonna lie. I've been sleeping in my car, I was funky. Right. This woman had me in there. I, you know, she didn't know if I had, what I had going on with me. She had no idea but she loved me enough she loved me to not know me 
she loved me enough to look out for me right and so i've always felt that need to give back to um love somebody in spite of what it looks like in spite of what they smoking on in spite of what it smells like in spite of what they drinking on in spite of what their voices are telling them in their head it does not matter i love people right where they're at i don't judge anybody whether they're um they identify as however they want to identify i cannot pick and choose who i love or who i serve because i didn't want jesus to do that to me when i was in the middle of my funky ass mess <laughs> i needed jesus to love me just as i was right so that's how block love charlotte was birthed good good i i'm i'm i was kind of told the story um by as if you're in charlotte north carolina or surrounding areas by uh dj by the name of Nolan Mallory, radio personality. Um, he always spoke very highly of you. And he, to have Larry to have that much respect for someone, that, that speaks volumes. I mean, major, major volumes. Um, so a little bit more about uh, Block Love. Um, exactly, you know, some people are like, okay, what is Block Love and what do they do uh, exactly? And it, it, you know, let's just start with that. What What is Block Love exactly and what do they do for, you know, people? What we do is we spread love throughout this city one block at a time. How do we do that? Um, we, we feed, man. We, we love on people through food. I don't know about you, but I love a good meal. And a good meal makes me feel good inside, especially when it's made with love. I feel the love. Um, but also in the houses community, we provide tents, tarts, sleeping bags, um, any type of personal care items, anything that's essential to daily living. Um, but we go far beyond that. Um, we assist people with um, temporary motel and hotel stays, especially some of our most vulnerable, from pregnant women to women with children to um, men and women that may have... Um, particular health issues and health problems. I don't want to see anybody out in the street struggling because I remember being a young single mom and people turning their nose up at me because I, at my first child, I was not married, right. you know, and there were times when I had a need and people telling me no or turning their nose up on me and, and just judging me. And I don't want to be judgmental of anybody because it's not for me to judge anyone. So, but I know what it feels like to have that pride kick in and you scared to even ask anybody. So what we do is we take it to people so they don't even have to ask. Um, we do Saturday pop-up shops in what I call underserved neighborhoods. And the reason I call them that is because if you ain't got a grocery store within walking distance of you, you are underserved. That is not fair. You are considered a food desert. You should be able to walk to your local grocery store, especially if you're elderly or disabled. You should be able to go, go get fresh fruits, fresh meats and all of that. Um, but we still have a lot of colored neighborhoods black neighborhoods y'all know what i'm talking about i say colored intentional because I, I okay okay <laughs> caucasian listeners let me clean my mouth up but we have neighborhoods that are underserved and it breaks my heart to be living in this day and age where we have those that we love that can't make it to a grocery store that can't get the things that they need that are unable to um just get, even pick up their prescriptions so we do community pop-ups on saturdays where we provide a hot lunch free groceries, free toiletries. Um, Block Love Charlotte is a brawny giant. So I still have about 800 rolls of paper towels. We provide, I'm talking about the good, y'all know brawny paper towels, about $4 a roll. We provide those good paper towels. Um, we get socks from Bombas. So everybody named Mama gets socks. I got toothbrush, toothpaste, um, feminine care products. We even got hand soaps. We got plenty of hand sanitizers. We have wipes. Um, and then we have a plethora of groceries. So we have a lot of stuff that we give out on those days. But most importantly, we are there giving love. And every time we do a community event, we have individuals tell us, man, listen, I was on my last. I didn't know where it was going to come from, man. I appreciate y'all. And we don't announce it. We may we may post it. We come up with a neighborhood on that Friday, that Saturday we're there. But we post it either late Friday night or early Saturday morning so that we can make sure we have enough to serve the community that we're popping up in but man it blows my mind when people you know come out and they receive that love and i'm talking about good lunch i ain't talking about we showing up with you know a hot dog or a slice of pizza man we are frying fish we had the grills we had the djs um man we turn up we have a really really good time and we all about showing love because i know what it means to be prideful and not wanting to ask and being down to my very very last so i want people to know somebody loves you somebody cares somebody is there for you we hit up on milton road last year 
a couple came up with their new baby um and they hadn't been out for a couple of months since the pandemic had hit and they were like they had that need for diapers and formula and they were just scraping up their last well guess what we were on the scene with diapers and formula and if we don't have it we have deep pockets that always show up big shout out to our community that loves on us because they are always there and they show up in big numbers and they say deb we got you what y'all need and so we got to make a run to the grocery store the family dollar walmart target it does not matter if there's a need we're gonna meet that need and we ain't got major funding what we have is a community of believers that believe in our mission and help us spread the love and and that's i'm glad you touched on that family situation my dad here he spoke on it in church on sunday whenever he first started the family you know there was needs for diapers and he was like oh jesus you know god we're you know, I, I need diapers. Where am I going to get diapers from? And the community came together and helped provide diapers. And he was like, I didn't even speak it out. But, you know, the community just came and was like, hey, Pastor, you know, I, I know you got some children and it looks like you need, you know, something. What can we provide and help for? And that, you're like me with my organization that I do um, as far as basketball trainings and I have single mothers who have needs sometimes and I take some of the money that I get from training to put back into the community and that's why I think God helped us cross paths you know the, the pandemic and I want you to touch on this as well the pandemic for me stalled a lot of things like I wasn't able to do the training so I wasn't able to help you know families did you run into that issue as well whenever you was doing your block love no in fact the pandemic actually helped us reinvent ourselves it was absolutely amazing we were only serving a couple of times a week prior to the pandemic but since March 8th of last year we have been out every single day um and we weren't trying to blow up or um, get accolades, awards, or be mentioned um, on any type of news um, outlet. All we were trying to do was spread the love. But in that, um, our mission became well known and we were able to do a lot more work to get a lot more things done. Um, it, the growth for us has truly been tremendous. We are now serving in multiple locations at multiple times of the day with a slew of volunteers. It, and um, a, people, a lot of people think we got a large team. We have a six member team. Hello, we are not big at all. So we do depend on our volunteers and those that support us um, through their giving, whether it's physical donations, whether it's um, their time, you know, or, or their treasures. So that in and of itself is amazing. You know, it also has helped us increase our presence in the community um one thing we did last year was um i don't know if you remember um when uh when originally they were writing um after the george floyd um uh situation here in charlotte there were protests on betty's four road and the food line had gotten broken into and i couldn't sleep that night it was a friday i couldn't sleep and i was like i know my team think i'm crazy but my team believes in me. And I said, y'all, tomorrow meet me on Betty's Four Road by 12 o'clock. And guess what they did? And we set up a makeshift grocery store until Food Line got set up. Mm -hmm. And as we're sitting out there with the little bit that we had, LeVar, by the time we left, we had a full-fledged mini store out there. I'm talking about fresh fruit, strawberries, pears, grapes. Like we had everything set up and ready to go. Um, spaghetti, spaghetti sauce, um, Gatorades, like kids were coming up. Um, one lady even showed up with freezy pops and a cooler. Like we had to, yeah, look, we was like the lady, you know, the neighborhood candy store, we yeah, was better yeah. than her. Like, yeah, look, <laughs> we had everything but pickle eggs and pickles. Like we was doing the dang thing. And um, hot fish sandwiches from uh, West End Seafood Market. Like we did the dang thing, but we did it as a community. We did it as a unit. We did it with our volunteers and with the community. We showed up in a major way. And that's when I realized we can really truly make a difference as block love, you know, and, and we always are trying to find out how we can help our neighborhoods heal, especially with the onslaught of violence that we're seeing on the daily basis here in Charlotte. You know, it's a shooting just about every day, whether a homicide comes after that shooting, it still is a tragedy at the end of the day if our young adults are, are deciding to use weapons instead of using this right here. If you, you, you can't fight with your fists, 
you know, then there's a problem. I'm going to need you all to figure out how that um, you can better um, deal with whatever issues that you have amongst yourselves. Um, but we do get involved. We, we do feel like we owe it to our city to see how we can curb this violence that's going on. And we do that by popping up, by showing love, um, by not uh, judging dope dealers. People are like, man, look, you got dope dealers in your line when we serving meals or whatever. I don't care. I feed everybody. I don't judge them. I love them. And guess what? They love me back. I love them. I don't care. I do not care. I don't. I don't. Because at the end of the day, man, they hug me and I hug them back. Right. You know, even in the midst of a pandemic, folks need love. You know what? Don't judge people because they got gold teeth. That Nickelodeon need a, a, a thing of diapers for his baby instead of him breaking up in Target and, and robbing everybody for the, um, the diapers and the formula. Because now if you're going Wilkinson, everything is locked up. Right. Instead of them going up in there stealing that stuff, how about we make it available to them? How about, you know, not through just through love, but Larry's involved with the United Neighborhoods of Charlotte as well as the United Council for Change. And they do diaper drives and formula drives. But guess what? We give to that and they give to us. We make sure that stuff is available to the community. Um, and that's something that we collaborate. It ain't just about block love. We love collaboration. We think collaboration is key. We think it, it's a way to get the word out in a bigger fashion versus just block love talking about it. But what if it's block love and United Council for Change? What if it's uh, block love and hope vibes? You know, we got to look beyond ourselves because at the end, of the, I don't want no credit or accolades because all the glory belongs to God. It doesn't belong to block love, Charlotte. We are just being used by Him. We are just trying to make sure that it is all about Him. It is never about us so we do exactly what he has assigned us to do and at lit you can take block love off of you can take deborah denise off of it debbie d whatever you want to call me mama deb miss deb miss block love it does not matter it is about our lord and savior it is never about me i give you back all the awards even though they are pretty and shiny one got a light on it and i love it because it turns and twists but he can have it back it ain't about that it's right. pretty too i got to show that one day i need to put <laughs> that on facebook at night it's got a pretty glow to it but anywho listen it's not about that it is about who we serve. And once we move beyond ourselves and us trying to get the credit and the glory and we put the focus on those that we serve and make it about them, make it about uh, what we're able to do through God for them, that's when it becomes beneficial. But if you're trying to make it about self and about lining your pockets and riding around and escalades and all of that, and yeah, my boo got escalades, so don't be trying to talk about me if you see me <laughs> when it ain't mine. It don't belong to me. But anywho, I sorry, I digress. Listen, I'm driving Pathfinder that we'll talk about that later but yeah i don't make it about me it's not about what i'm driving on smoking on because y'all know some of y'all will get that ppp money and be smoking on a whole lot a whole lot a whole lot but it's not about that make it about you your mission make it about who you say you are designing your mission to serve if it's not about that if you yourself cannot align with your mission how can you expect anybody else to align with it because guess what you will be exposed it will be a failure always align with your mission always keep your integrity intact because perception goes a long way if anybody perceives you of doing anything differently than what you say you're doing you will fail at it keep your integrity and your character intact at all costs listen live the best life that you can live but live it according to the will over your life from god praise that Whew. I, I felt like i was in church and use evangelizing to me. I was, I'm gonna I need just, my tithes and offering. No, I, I got Can you. I get my love offering. I, I got your love. <laughs> that, because I remember whenever I first started this, and some people, whenever I was in the group chat, the the Zoom room, some people was looking at me like, mm, "What?" But you sold into my my podcast, and that showed me, oh my gosh this this beautiful black queen has actually given me the light that I was looking for that I was praying to God for like is this something that I need to be doing right now because I put this off for two years Deb Ms. Deb I put this off for two years and it kept burning in my soul and I was concentrating on the wrong things and then the minute I started this the so-called friends, they weren't the ones who are, are listening and supporting me. It's those outside. And then word of mouth started getting around just like your, your block love. And that's why I am so honored and privileged to be able to sit down with you and have this discussion. And I have several people even now reaching out to me like, 
hey, you know, just checking on you, seeing if your family and you need anything. Um, if you know any organizations that may need, you know, some volunteer work, um, some things, just let me know. And whenever I say that's nothing but God, I'm saying just right now, I got two text messages like that. And I was like, man, look at God. Look at God. So to, to give them a reference point, if they want to help or make any kind of donations, how would they go about doing that? So I always tell people, before you donate to me, know what my mission is. So I direct everyone to my website. That is blocklovecLT.org. As great as it sounds, I don't want anybody to think that this is made up. This is all real. Everything is on our website. We've got videos. We've got pictures. Um, but more importantly, we have our statements. And um, it's our statements of love, our mission, our vision statement, as well as what we do and how we do it. Um, so you can visit us at blocklovecLT.org. On that page is a donate now button. I don't have it at the very top. I have it at the very bottom bottom because once again I want you to know what you're sewing into before you sew so I was very intentional about putting that at the bottom and I don't care what critics or anybody else has to say word of opinion it does not matter I want you to see the vision then give to the vision I want you to sew that way so there's a donate now button you can also hit us up through PayPal we are team t-e-a-m at blocklovecLT.org, and that is block not black because I've missed some donations because some folks was talking about black love. No, it's block love. Even though I love black love, Lord knows I do. That's why I got three kids. It is blocklovecLT.org team at blocklovecLT.org or Cash App. Now, I will let you know through Cash App, I can't capture your email address, but if you would like to give that way, please, by all means, do. It is dollar sign blocklovecLT. Um, we are a 501c3. All donations are tax deductible. We can provide you a tax receipt, but if you would like a tax receipt, I prefer that you do do it through PayPal. I do have Venmo, but let me tell you, the Venmo has been an issue. <laughs> it's tiresome because I think if I ain't your friend or if you ain't my friend, I can't get it's a, it's it's it's. It, too many twists and turns so um, make my life a lot easier and use paypal if you don't mind or my donate now button um you can make through the donate now you can make a monthly um uh a monthly commitment or a one-time commitment either way we appreciate all the love and support we appreciate all of our volunteers um, we appreciate every donor every funder every um, one that loves likes or shares our mission because without you we would not be where we are today hey and there it is so um at the end let's just um because i know you have to get back to work uh, I, I really commend you with what you're doing um kind of let's recap Let, if someone came to you and they had you know the domestic situation or you know kind of confused about the direction to take in life, what advice would you give them? My first advice to anyone is always breathe. A lot of people come to me and they're on their last, like they can barely breathe because it's so overwhelming. It's too much. They feel like they're ready to give up, ready to throw in the towel. So I always tell everybody, just take a moment and just breathe. Let's sit here and just breathe for a minute. Let's clear our heads. Let's have a clear mind about this thing. Then we can start having a discussion on what's next, who, when, what, why, and where. You know, let's figure out what is next, what's our next move. And I always ask people to focus on three things. You know, a lot of times our minds are all over the place and we're trying to outthink God. But if you're in the midst of a situation, whether it's homelessness, whether it's domestic violence, whether you've lost your job, whether you just can't pay this bill, what three things can you focus on to help you get to the next step or the next level um, in this journey? we put so many things on our plate and that wasn't meant for us to have on our plate and if you know if you make a pretty plate you have what you have your starch you have your vegetable and you have your protein you have three things the father the son and the holy ghost so why are you focused on anything other than that let's focus on three things to get us to where we need to be um in order to breathe to continue to breathe um stop knocking the breath out of yourself by trying to overthink things you cannot outthink god you are not on his timeline this i'm sorry he is not on your timeline you are on his you know he does things in in his time and, and and when it is spoken forth but a lot of times we just try to outthink him and we we do things um and mess our own selves up and we got to stop doing this you know we got to stop 
getting ahead of ourselves um, even when we're in the midst of our troubles our trials um, when things are unsettled in our lives you know we got to trust in the Lord with all our heart only not to our own understanding and a lot of times we get outside of that we keep trusting us and not trusting him and I'm gonna always refer back to him even if my mouth ain't all the way right I still am going to lean on him and not to my own understanding because I need him to direct my path I cannot be the director of that path I cannot I'm not Tyler Perry I'm not trying to direct this thing right right and the church says amen amen <laughs> and amen well Miss Deb I am very very grateful for your time I enjoy this conversation I gained so much more I know there's a lot more that I don't know, but a lot more of an appreciation and understanding. Um, and I, I will definitely be sewing into the, this ministry because it it, it, it really is needed. It, it really is needed. And I'm challenging, well, I'm not even gonna challenge. I'm gonna say for my listeners, please sew into because you never know, this could be you in the possible future. This could be you that is going to need some help. But that's right. You know, God it says in the Bible, it says, "Do unto others, and God will bless you in the same manner." So, Miss um, Deborah Denise, I am thankful for your time. Thankful for your insights. Um, my heart is like both. At first it was sad and now it's joy because I, I love where you used to be, but now the great creation that God has molded you into be. And I know that you're gonna do more and more and more as the future goes on. And I wanna be part of that. And I will continue, <laughs> I will continue whenever I do have time because, oh my God, I. I'm always basketball, 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 but I want to come in the afternoons and well, the evenings and do the serving of the food and get out there in the community. But now that I know you have things on Saturdays, on the weekends, whenever I'm not doing any trainings or anything on the weekends, I'm definitely going to make sure I come out there and sew in, whether it's um, monetary or non-monetary. So... Um, once again, thank you and Corner Stoop family. I thank you for listening and please, please reach out and whether it's just like maybe $5, $10, just something will help with this organization and its growth. But I, again, thank you, Miss Deborah, and I look forward to more conversations in the future. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am.